0: Good morning. I'm Sana and you're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. Every Monday morning, I'm joined by experts from across the country who are investigating our most pressing social issues and common curiosities. Over the next hour, you'll learn about their inspirations, motivations, and of course, what they know about the world around us. So grab that cup of coffee and get ready for a fun and insightful conversation folks who menstruate, I know you are familiar with the highs, the lows, the cravings, the brain fog. And for a lot of us, you may have learned that this is just the way it is. Maybe there are some ways to kind of get through it or suffer through it or even succumb to it, but no one has really provided you with the knowledge and strategies on how to identify and work with your varying hormonal changes. Well, I have some great news for you because this morning I am chatting with Audrey Geyer and she's a fertility awareness method educator and high performance women's health coach. And so you're definitely going to want to tune in. This isn't just for folks who menstruate this is an episode for everyone because guess what all of us are in relationship with and in community with folks who menstruate and so I think this information will help all of us well Audrey Geyer, again as I mentioned is a fertility awareness method educator and high performance women's health coach she teaches ambitious health conscious women how to understand their cycles Confidently use the sympto hormonal fertility awareness method for health to naturally and effectively prevent pregnancy with up to 99% efficacy or to increase chances of conception. And she teaches women how to use their hormones to their advantage so they can achieve more of their health, personal, or professional goals with less stress. Look, count me in. I am so excited to welcome Audrey to the show. Audrey, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Sana. Yes, I am so excited. So, um, of course, you and I know that we recently met at a very intentional uh, women's networking event, and everyone was kind of giving their spiel about kind of things they do, what they're passionate about. And, you know, as soon as you started sharing the work that you do, I was automatically hooked. I was like, oh, my goodness. And I know the other women who were there as well were like, oh, my gosh, like, this woman knows some secrets and some magic for our lives. And so I was like, I have to have you on so that my listeners too can get a little bit of this information and hopefully even, um, you know, decide to work with you more in depth. Because, again, what, I, what you're doing, I think, is just so transformational.
1: Thank you so much. It has changed my life and I'm constantly also learning from the women around me. And that was just such a special group that we met in. So I'm grateful we came to connect.
0: Yes, absolutely. So let's get into a little bit about what you do. And maybe maybe actually we should start with how you got into this work, because I think that is important, uh, especially for this, where folks are like, okay, you know, yeah, it's one thing if someone has kind of some information that they may have learned through whatever ways, but it's different when you've lived through it. So could you tell us a little bit, um, and maybe you want to tell us a little bit more about exactly what you do, but specifically how you got into this line of work?
1: Yeah, so it is interesting because I, for a long time, I never really identified as someone with period problems, but this did occur out of necessity. And a little bit about my background. My dad is a retired endocrinologist Mm, and was so passionate about his career and his patients. And he's, he's so empathetic, so knowledgeable, but I grew up seeing him work 80 hours a week, I was not a kid who grew up with interest in science. I preferred the arts and humanities. So it was never on my radar to do anything related to this Mm -hmm. because aside from people who went on to practice medicine there at the time, wasn't really a career path for somebody that wanted to work in health outside of it. So it was just, it was not even a thought. Mm -hmm. But in my early twenties, I really, really struggled with brain fog, fatigue, low mood. I would have about two weeks out of the month where I felt fine, where I was making progress. And then I would have about two, um, two weeks, excuse me, not two months, but about two weeks out of the month where I was really struggling to focus. My self-esteem plummeted. I was experiencing body dysmorphia. I was experiencing rejection, sensitive dysphoria. So I was very sensitive to criticism. I was always beating myself up. It made my life really challenging.
0: Mm,
1: And sure I'd have the things like hormonal acne or some moderate cramping or things like that. But Because I saw other women whose cramps were sending them to the hospital because maybe they had PCOS or endometriosis. I didn't associate with having period problems. In fact, for a while, I thought I was bipolar. Um, And, you know, that's something that there are women that are, there is, you know, I'm very no stigma when it comes to all, all mental health and the challenges that we all face, But I didn't realize that this was because I was very sensitive to the change in brain chemistry that occurs as our sex hormones fluctuate across the menstrual cycle. And that this doesn't just happen for a week out of the month. And it's also not just so we can make babies, but is actually something that affects our greater overall health and is happening for an average of, you know, a typical cycle range is about 25 to 36 days. Certainly there are women with longer cycles. So I do want to say that, but our, our sex hormones are changing throughout that. And some of us are more sensitive to it.
0: Mm -hmm. There was so much there, Audrey. I mean, first I think this comparison, right? So we see other folks who are really going through a lot of physical pain, right? Or the symptoms that we've come to associate kind of with PMS, right? So the the cramping or, or bloating or the hormonal acne. And those are some of the indicators that, you know, as we're growing up, we're like, oh, that's that's just PMS, right? And even that kind of dismissiveness of like, oh, this is just what you have to deal with. But I'm so glad you you kind of brought up some of these other symptoms as well, thinking about the brain fog, the fatigue, the moodiness, the sensitivity um, to rejection, to different types of criticism, and this idea that it can't be related to my period, it must be something else, right?
1: And then I think there's the flip side of that, which is where some women say it's because it's because I'm quote unquote hormonal. So they essentially hormonally gaslight themselves. And what I really think that we need is an understanding that our hormones are our hormones are messengers. There are these molecules that act as messengers and communicate with distant parts of the body. And if our hormones are then controlling our mood, our brain chemistry, our energy, our metabolism, all these different things, then they influence how we act. And how we act influences our our environment and vice versa. The environment that we are in and what we are exposed to in our society also influences how we feel, which in turn influences our hormones and our health. So it's not either or, and it's really about having this holistic understanding that can, can empower us so that we can feel better and deal less
0: Yes, I love this focus on the holistic aspect of it, right? To get us out of this either or out of these dichotomies, but instead to really look at everything as it's interrelated, right? As it's interconnected. So then we can come up with solutions that actually address the the whole, right? And so I love that. Now you mentioned, you know, finally, I guess, coming to understand that, wait a minute, um, you know something else is going on here or maybe there's a different way that i could be ad- addressing some of the things i'm feeling um how did you kind of get to that point of saying like okay i got to do something different
1: so i was diagnosed with hashimotos as well as pmdd which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder at the age of 22 so i'm now 30 it's been 8 years and at that time i was working out lifting 6 days a week Mm-hmm. I was counting my mouse as they say. So your different macronutrients, protein, carbs, fat. I was, you know, I Granted, I was, yes, I was still in my early twenties and would still go out sometimes, but I was really limiting things like alcohol. I was in many ways, the healthy friend and I was still struggling and suffering so much. And these have been things that I really brought to my doctor's attention for years. I had doctors who completely dismissed me, who said that because I was still having a period and because I wasn't trying to get pregnant, it was basically of no concern to them what was happening. And for a while, you know, they might reluctantly do some lab work. And for a while it would come back normal, which just as a side note, normal in lab work simply means that's it. That is in an average range. It should be used as a tool. Someone's lived experience should always be taken into consideration, especially when they are struggling. But, you know, for me, I, I looked at my life and I said, okay, I'm trying everything. I'm trying to do everything right. I've been to psychiatrists. I've been to therapy. I'm going to my doctor. I'm, I'm playing the game. I'm playing ball. Something, something is missing because if women are doing all these things that the diet and the fitness industry and their doctors tell them to do, and they're still suffering, I do not believe that we were put on this earth to just deal and to feel this way every single month for about a third of our lives. And so I took it upon myself to really start doing the research. And I developed that interest in health and science as a necessity so that I could feel better. And what I learned is that our sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone are actually amazing (laughs) and that they have so many benefits, which really started sparking this idea in me that maybe if we are working with them and not against them, maybe if I can find different ways to navigate this, maybe I can actually feel better. Maybe I can feel really good. And that led me to really see how many, how many misnomers and myths we are led to believe about our bodies and about the menstrual cycle.
0: Mm, I love that. I mean, you know, I think one thing that you hit on that is common among women and also people of color is this idea of we know our bodies, we know what we're feeling, but translating that to physicians who really will be compassionate or take that extra time to think through what else might be going on we often don't get that or you know our the, our the pain that we're feeling is often minimized and so we do have to take our health into our own hands exactly as you did to one not only exhaust kind of all the options Uh, traditional options that are out there right going to a variety of different uh, medical professionals um, but also then thinking about what can we do right thinking about you know diet or exercise the things again that we think okay this should bring us some sort of relief but as you mentioned before you know our bodies are are complex. Um, And we're also getting a lot of different signals throughout, you you know, throughout the month saying, you know, kind of what we need or maybe even what we don't need. Um, But if we're not aware of what those signals mean, then we can still be, you know, lost, right? And so I love that you've actually put in the work to really understand, all right, what are these different hormones telling me, you know, what are the changes that are happening throughout the month and how can I really leverage that to my advantage so that I can have those, you know, feelings of that I'm, you know, kind of can do it all or that I can do, you know, whatever it is that I want and still feel really good about it um, and not, you know, giving up a few weeks out of every month to the fatigue and the brain fog.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I want to address the first thing that, that you said about what women and people of color experience. and wanted to thank you for saying that. I know that your background is in sociology. And I think, you know, when I think about the healthcare system and the way that society speaks about our bodies and the many things that have shaped, shaped this world that we're living in, You know, I think about the fact that, for one, menstruating women weren't included in human research studies until the 90s. I was already alive by the time we were looking into female sex hormones in this way. On top of that, we know that there has been a lot of discrimination, both gender based and racial discrimination, in the medical system. And I think most of the time, healthcare professionals, medical professionals as individuals are well-intentioned, but there have been a lot of systemic problems. And then so many times experts spend so long being experts and thinking in these high-level ways that they almost unintentionally become very far removed from the living reality of what we experience as human beings. And it's really time to get back to treating people as the experts of their own body, having the lab testing and the diagnosing as tools that can help someone get services, but ultimately listening to people and taking that time and as especially in my work as a fertility awareness educator one of the benefits of having people like me and having more more health coaches more educators in the field is that a doctor isn't always going to be able to spend a lot of time with someone working on those goals, working on those education pieces and implementing them, but there are other people who can. So I think a lot of it is, you know, at least my, my vision is that we let doctors be great doctors and we let them address and diagnose prevent and treat. We have other people stepping in and doing the work of health, which is not just the absence of disease, but the well-being of our whole lives, mentally, physically, socially, spiritually. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, I love that idea of kind of working in coordination, right? So you have um, you know medical professionals that do their part of the work, and then we have coaches like you who come in with the other part of the work, because again our healthcare um, or the caring for our own health is going to take more than just a five-minute chat with our physician, which honestly, if we think about it, when we go into a doctor's appointment, usually that's about how long they have, right? Like five minutes, 10 minutes. So there's a lot that we can't get and that they can't give us in that small moment of time. And so I do think it's important that we take these other opportunities to connect with folks who are experts and are knowledgeable and can help us with, you know, what it is that we want to achieve in our lives. And so I, again, I'm so happy that we are chatting today and we're going to get in a little more in depth about the menstrual cycle and the work that you do specifically, but let's take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Sanaa and I'm here with Audrey Geyer, a fertility awareness educator and high performance women's health coach. And before the break, we're just talking a little bit about how Audrey got into this line of work, and just talking about you know your own story, Audrey, and some of the experiences that you had. And you mentioned um, earlier that you were actually diagnosed with premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about what a healthy menstrual cycle is, because we probably know some of these extreme kind of symptoms of PMS or even PMDD. um, but could you kind of just give us an overview of what a healthy menstrual cycle is?
1: Yes. So I'll tell you a little bit about the hormonal sequence of the menstrual cycle. And we'll do that in terms of what should be happening and how this helps our overall health. So. A woman's menstrual cycle starts with the period. So when someone menstruates, you know, they, they know that they have about three to seven days of a bleeding phase where the lining of the uterus is shedding. And during this time, hormones are at a low point, which I think is really important to point out because we have all heard this term that a woman is so hormonal and she must be on her period. And it's, Always, the word hormonal is almost always exclusively used in a negative light. Mm -hmm. Not only is this so wrong and really shapes and influences the way people experience their own bodies, but on top of that, it's also a misnomer. It's a myth. Mm. We are not so hormonal during our periods. We are actually the least hormonal. We will be all cycle long. So this is a little bit of a reset, if you will, where both estrogen and progesterone are low. This is also considered the beginning of the follicular phase. And as menstruation ends, hormonal activity begins to pick up, but this doesn't start in the ovaries or the uterus. It actually starts in your brain. Mm. And it starts when the hypothalamus sends a signal to the pituitary gland with a hormone called gonadotropin-releasing hormone. You don't have to remember that. There's no (laughs) quiz at the end of this. Gonadotropin-releasing hormone sends that signal to the pituitary gland and then the pituitary gland releases follicle-stimulating hormone or FSH. And FSH communicates with the ovaries and stimulates the follicles in the ovaries, which then causes estrogen to rise estrogen begins to rise day by day. And estrogen is a phenomenal hormone. First of all, estrogen is a growth hormone. So I know you are really into fitness. I'm assuming you have lots of listeners who are into some kind of physical activity. And as a growth hormone, estrogen is responsible for growing tissue and collagen and responsible for things like breast development during puberty, but is also responsible. And is really good for growing muscle, um, growing the hair on her head, things like that. Um, so she is anabolic. She's a growth hormone. She is also a hormone that stimulates and helps grow our brain cells also stimulates neurotransmitters such as serotonin dopamine and oxytocin. Estrogen builds the lining of the uterus and does so many other very important things, not only for our reproductive system, but for overall health. When estrogen peaks, that sends a signal back to our brain and our pituitary gland releases luteinizing hormone. And when luteinizing hormone surges, that causes the dominant follicle to mature and rupture, releasing an egg. And that is the 12 to 24 hour event known as ovulation. Ovulation is the main event of the menstrual cycle. It is the, point of the menstrual cycle that has to happen in order for it to actually be a cycle. This is of course, when um, fertilization can occur, this is when a woman can become pregnant. Um, However, a lot of other really incredible things are happening, so we mentioned how estrogen is high, that can help with things like strength training, it can help your mood and energy levels, your communication skills become sharper you become less risk adverse during ovulation. This is, I think, a great time for a woman to go, you know, ask for a raise or pitch an idea to a group of investors. And I think uh, I am personally so passionate about looking at all the ways that this can help people who, you know, I think motherhood is important. I think family growing is amazing, but for all those other stages of life where maybe that's not currently, or might not ever will be a desire. Our bodies are still for us. They're still doing amazing things for our own health. After ovulation, that follicle that ruptured gets recycled by our body, which I think this is so powerful. So our body recycles that ruptured follicle and turns it into its own temporary endocrine gland called the corpus luteum. And the corpus luteum is responsible for secreting progesterone. So estrogen lowers and progesterone rises thanks to the corpus luteum. And progesterone is like the more introverted, detail-oriented, anti-stress sister to estrogen. So during this time, there is a big shift in brain chemistry Women do tend to become more detail oriented, um, a little bit more sensitive to stress. It becomes more easy to be overwhelmed, which are some of the reasons why PMS is so common. On the other hand, progesterone is really responsible for balancing a lot of the systems of growth and the systems of health that, that estrogen has helped. So, for example, progesterone helps maintain the uterine, uterine lining progesterone helps prepare and maintain brain cells. Progesterone is even sometimes used as a treatment for traumatic brain injuries. Um, There are all sorts of important and incredible health benefits. Progesterone is a natural diuretic. So before our periods, we actually shouldn't be gaining a bunch of water weight. She's a natural muscle relaxant. She can help reduce pain. She also helps, um, boost GABA in the brain, which is a natural mood stabilizer can help with restorative sleep. So there are lots of actually incredible things about this time in our cycle, which this is called the luteal phase. It lasts about 10 to 18 days, even for people who have irregular menstrual cycles, the luteal phase is actually quite steady. So, You know, we're talking about, you want to know more about what a healthy menstrual cycle is. And in a healthy menstrual cycle, there will be enough follicular development for ovulation to take place regularly. After ovulation takes place, the body will be able to form that corpus luteum, and there will be a steady, healthy luteal phase where symptoms are little to none. So, mild to no PMS no premenstrual spotting. Um, There are women that have regular periods, but due to things like stress, thyroid disease, vitamin D deficiency may have a luteal phase defect. So their luteal phase could in fact be too short. So there are really, it's, it's so much more than just having a bleed every month that is really having something that is consistent that supports your overall health and most of all does not take you away from doing the things that you love and need to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Audrey, for really breaking that down because you know what? As I was listening to you kind of explain, um you know, a healthy menstrual cycle or kind of just the phases, right? And what's happening each month. It made me think, I'm not sure for many listeners that anyone has ever really broken down and explained in detail, you know, what's happening in, in your body, um, and really all the amazing things that your body does, versus just this idea of like, oh, every month you're gonna bleed for a week, and it's like, okay, is that it? Right? <laughs> like, there has to be more. Um, and so, even you just kind of taking this time to explain, kind of, hey, this is what's happening. These are the hormonal changes, and these are some of the effects that are happening throughout your body, and also in your Your brain thinking about, all right, when might I, when might be a good time for me to pitch this project or ask for a raise or have that difficult conversation? How can I leverage knowing kind of what's going on in my body and the boosts that maybe ovulation is giving me, or even the different ways that um, increase in estrogen or progesterone are also how can I use that to my benefit? Thinking about, all right, what do I have coming up, you know, over these next, you know, 30ish days. So, I feel so much smarter now because of everything you just shared.
1: Good. I'm glad that was helpful and I know that was a lot of information. So, again, no no pop quizzes, but hopefully that at least provides some understanding that about the changes that we go through.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I mean, for folks who are listening, you can always catch the replay. Let's Grab Coffee is available in podcast format because I know Audrey just gave us a lot of good information. And, you know, even though there's not a quiz, you might want to go back and listen and kind of catch some of that information. Now, thinking about what you just shared and kind of these differences um, in the hormones, right? And what's happening in our bodies, it made me think a couple of things. So, first, I'm wondering how does birth control impact this process? Um, and I'm thinking, I mean, obviously we know how, some of the direct impacts, right? And why people are taking it to maybe prevent pregnancy um, or to even get more stabilized um, hormones, right? But I'm also thinking um, longer term, how might this disrupt or help some of the natural processes in our body?
1: So, hormonal birth control works one of two ways. So the primary way will be with combination hormonal birth control. And this is hormonal birth control that contains both synthetic estrogen and synthetic progesterone. This would be the standard pill other than progesterone only pills. This would be the depo shot, the patch, Nuvering, most hormonal birth control will fall under this category. And the primary way that works is by stopping ovulation. It does this by essentially because there is that low level synthetic estrogen and synthetic progesterone. There is not enough of a drop to then stimulate that follicle stimulating hormone communicating with the ovaries causing that natural rise in estrogen, then leading eventually to ovulation. So it's suppressing the communication between the brain and the ovaries preventing ovulation and therefore stopping the cycle. So women who are on hormonal birth control, that is combination hormonal birth control are not having a cycle and are not having a period. Many times this is a big shock because they might still have a bleed, that might still be a monthly bleed they might in many ways still feel like they're having a period but because the menstrual cycle is a very specific hormonal sequence that at this time is being suppressed and flatlined and in fact a lot of times a myth that i hear is that women who are on hormonal birth control their bodies are being tricked into thinking they're pregnant it is a huge myth during the time that they're on hormonal birth control, hormone levels are closer to that of menopause than menstruation, which I definitely do not mean as an insult. I think that women should have choices about what they are doing with their bodies, but just in reference to those sex hormone levels, they are being suppressed. So that is the first way. The second way is with synthetic progesterone only hormonal birth controls. That will be your hormonal IUDs and your progestin only pills. They most of the time will also stop ovulation. However, that's not their primary way of working. Their primary way of working is by creating a hostile environment to sperm. Mm-hmm. So they change the biomarkers. They thin the lining of the uterus. They change the cervical mucus in order to form a plug and they get, change the pH levels so that they're also not sperm friendly. So I think either of those, you know, there are many decisions. There are many reasons why women make the decision to be on hormonal birth control. One is pregnancy prevention. I say, if that is something that genuinely makes your life easier and better, it is always, it is always a choice. I do think women are absolutely entitled to informed consent. And I think without education, it is very hard, if not impossible to have real true informed consent. Mm -hmm. And I also think that one thing that we, we need to address and we need to learn more about is that there are really only about six days, six to seven days out of a woman's cycle where pregnancy would be a possibility. So for women who choose to not be on hormonal birth control, they can absolutely do so and still use barrier methods, Non hormonal methods such as the Paragard or what I teach, which is an evidence based fertility awareness method that uses standardized rules, observations, and procedures in order for women to be able to look at their cycle in real time. So it's not the calendar method, it's not the rhythm method. We're not guessing based on day 14 or the average of our last three cycles. We are really observing throughout the day using using a set of rules and you know essentially making a black and white decision based on what I'm observing in my body today based on these set of evidence based rules that I've learned with my instructor is fertility a possibility or not? And then you are looking, identifying that fertile window, either making the decision to abstain or if someone uses a dual method and is also using, say, a barrier method or something like that during their fertile window, they can make that decision. However, then they would be reliant on the efficacy of that method, not a fertility awareness method. So there's a little caveat that I'd like to add. That is a valid choice. And that is something I really want women to know and to understand that because, because of the lack of understanding about our bodies, I think it's really led to this idea that we have to be on hormonal birth control. If we don't want to get pregnant, um, women are bearing the brunt of that oftentimes at great expense to themselves. Um, I personally, experienced horrific symptoms on, on hormonal birth control. That option got taken off the table for me. And I know many women that have experienced such bad side effects from their hormonal birth control that it wasn't worth it for them anymore. And in many ways we're, we're led to believe that if, if we're going to have sex and if we're going to be in a relationship, it is solely the woman's responsibility to take 100, you know, 100% of the brunt of the fertility of both parties. And it is my belief that a woman is 100% responsibility for her fertility, knowing that she's only fertile for a few days out of her cycle And if she is in a relationship with a male, then it is his responsibility to take, he should also take 100% responsibility for his daily fertility.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I I love this idea of having more information, right? So that you can make the informed decisions. because a lot of the decisions that we end up making around, you know, birth control aren't as informed as probably we would really like them to be because again, we, we don't have a comprehensive sex education. So, right. So we're not getting it as we're, you know, kind of growing up. And then even once we start kind of annual exams and meeting with the gynecologist, again, we're not really getting that in-depth information. And a lot of times doctors are trying to highly recommend a, a specific type of birth control. And there can also be a lot of, um, kind of shame, I think, as well associated with that um, in the ways that healthcare providers often try to kind of again, highly encourage people to take certain certain methods, right? Um, And then I'm just thinking about what you said, you know, throughout my life, I've taken a lot of different types of hormonal birth control. And at a certain point was like, you know what, I don't really think this is the best, like, I think there are some side effects that are happening from this that really aren't what I want. Um, And then thinking long-term, what might be the impact of being on these different synthetic hormones? And, you know, I tried the IUD, had horrible experience with that. And, you know, again, you know, all these different things that we're putting into our bodies, you know, we don't necessarily know all the information that we might like to know to make the best decision. So I love your approach of, um, again, evidence-based, right, hormonal method, thinking about checking in with our bodies, right, and actually being more in tune with our own, in this case, personal menstrual cycle. Because as we know, everyone is not having that kind of average cookie cutter menstrual cycle, right? So there are fluctuations. And so being able to really identify, okay, what's going on in my body, right? Based on these different factors and then making decisions from there. So I absolutely love that.
1: Yeah. I, there was a study that was conducted by the world health organization, years ago, and I believe that it was 93% of the women in the study. And this was done in multiple cities around the world. So this was done internationally on women of different education levels, different cultural backgrounds, different socioeconomic levels. And in just one cycle, with the help of a trained educator, we're able to correctly identify the difference between fertile and non-fertile days. Uh, so I mean it's it's really incredible what, what is possible when when that support is given for those who want it. And again, I think hormonal birth control should should be certainly be an option. But exactly like you said, we need more, we need more education around it so that women can make the best decisions for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's take another short break. You're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. You're listening to Let's Grab Coffee. I'm Sana, and I'm here with Audrey Geyer, a fertility awareness method educator and high performance women's health coach. And, you know, right before the break, you shared this great stat with us about how women, 95% of women in this study, you know, global study were able to identify um, their fertile and non-fertile days just with some education, right? And with some training. And I think that is amazing because I'm thinking about folks who, you know, are trying to grow a family, right? How useful this information could be. And then for folks who are like, yeah, that's not for me. I don't want any babies coming out of here. That's me. Um, also really great information. <laughs> yes,
1: Absolutely. And you know, that it reminds me of another study where there was a study conducted on couples who were actively trying to conceive and women were asked to try to self-identify their, the day of ovulation. And then they ran tests to see what that day actually was. And Nearly just under 50% ended up guessing that their day of ovulation was not at all in their fertile window. And so, you know, just looking at both of those studies, it really shows at the time there are many women who, because just simply because of the lack of education, aren't as in touch with their bodies as they could be. And we see that regardless of education, cultural background, socioeconomic status, that that is something that can change and that can have a really positive impact, whether you are somebody who is looking to avoid pregnancy, who is trying to conceive, or who simply wants to understand their health better
0: hmm. Yes. I mean, there's so many applications, again, just, you know, not just for the baby part, but also, again, just thinking about kind of in your daily life, right, being able to understand, you know, the hormones, you know, what they're signaling to your brain. And then I think that power is really important, because so you don't think, okay, is there something else going on, or you're not treating it right, trying to treat a symptom with kind of the wrong tools, right? So you can actually be, make, again, more empowered decisions. Decisions about what you want to do um, and even how you're going to do it. Now, I want to get into a little more about exactly what you do and how folks can even, you know, learn more from you or potentially work with you. So maybe as, at a high level, could you give us kind of an overview of the services that you provide?
1: Yes. So one of them is Fertility Awareness Method Education Some of my clients see me just for that, again, whether they are trying to avoid pregnancy, trying to conceive, or just want to understand their health better. I have a good mix of all of those. And those are evidence-based sessions where we dive in depth to how your menstrual cycle works, evidence-based rules, how to make observations, how to record them in a standardized way, and then how to put it to use to meet the intention of your goal. Uh, As a high-performance women's health coach, I primarily work with women who are dealing with monthly PMS and annual burnout. So we really focus on mood, energy, taking a holistic approach. So Nutrition and exercise, yes, but also our communication, how we work, really taking the actions that you do in your daily life and making them more efficient by lining them up with the natural gifts that your hormones are already trying to give you so that you can find that path of least resistance.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that idea of working with our bodies, right? Kind of working with our hormones. And I think for a lot of women, this is also a shift in how we're taught about our bodies, right? That there is something wrong with our bodies or that our bodies are something that needs to be controlled. But instead, you know, with you and, you know, again, all the strategies and tools that you provide, allowing women to really, you know, settle into their bodies and to celebrate them in again to work with them and not to see them as you know an enemy right which I know can seem a little weird but kind of to your point earlier in our conversation you know our environment impacts you know how we think how we feel and for a lot of women we get a lot of messages that we must you know do something different to our bodies or that our bodies on their own aren't good enough so I love kind of this approach to, to the work that you do.
1: Thank you so much. I think that a lot of women have gotten the message that at best we got the short end of the biological stick. Mm-hmm. And at worst, our bodies are shameful, they're untrustworthy, they're bad, they're inconvenient. And so I love just flipping that on its head and saying, Hey our hormones are actually superpowers our menstrual cycle is nothing to be ashamed of and hormonal isn't an insult it's an it's an asset
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. Hormonal isn't an insult. It's an asset. Oh, I love that. And you've brought us so many kind of reframes today. Um, and I love, you know, the different myths that you've already kind of busted for us around, again, around hormones. And I'm wondering if there are any other myths or just misconceptions around our menstrual cycle or around our hormones for women um, that you wanted to share with us this morning.
1: Yeah, I think those are the big ones. Definitely that obviously that the menstrual cycle is not just one week out of the month, really taking that holistic approach, but also acknowledging that women have the capability. We have the capability to learn about this. We have the capability to even use it to our advantage and let it be something that is, that is really good and empowering and gives us, gives us agency over our own health.
0: Mm, Yes, I think that's so important. Now, I had to ask you because I saw this on your Instagram. um, And you had a post that was talking about just different kind of food and drinks uh, that are kind of supportive or unsupportive, depending upon our phase in the menstrual cycle. And as a person who loves to eat, um, I was really and you had some of my favorites on there. I'm not going to say which one yet. (laughs) I'm wondering if you could kind of share with listeners just a few little tips around maybe uh, food or drinks that are that we might want to start to incorporate, depending upon where we are in our menstrual cycle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I always look at this as expansive, not restrictive. So you can still have absolutely any time. And, you know, I'll start with, I'll start with some overviews, but for example, especially for women who deal with primary dysmenorrhea, painful periods, cramps, lower back problems, digestive issues that come with menstruation. Then one of the biggest, most important things to do is to start eating more omega-3s than omega-6s. So eat salmon, shrimp, tuna, hemp seeds, chia seeds. All of those are going to be wonderful ways to reduce inflammation in the body that is leading to those painful cramps. Another thing would be eating more fiber. So, as we produce sex hormones, both our liver and our digestive system have to metabolize them and excrete them out. So, digestive health and doing things like um, limiting alcohol intake or abstaining from alcohol is extremely supportive for our menstrual cycle. For the follicular phase and around ovulation, I love to increase the amount, amount of cruciferous vegetables I'm eating because those contain a compound called indole 3 carbonyl, which our body turns into something called methylene. Again, those are big words no one has to remember. But what they do is help our liver with the detoxification process that those excess hormones, as well as toxins that we can pick up it from our environment go through. So that is an excellent time our hormones are rising there. We want to be able to excrete them out so that we feel better later. Um, And so really eating a lot of fresh vegetables um, during the luteal phase, especially for women that are more prone to PMS, increasing magnesium rich foods. I'm sorry if you hear my dogs, but increasing magnesium rich foods like sweet potato, bananas, nuts, dark chocolate can be really supportive of the mood. I'm also a really big fan of foods that contain the amino acid L-tryptophan, which is the precursor for serotonin. Um, My favorite are chickpeas, but also sweet potato there, avocado, beets, things like that.
0: Yes. All I heard was a lot of permission to eat delicious foods. Um, I love that. And one of the recipes you shared was smoked salmon on like little cucumbers. And that's one of my favorite snacks. (laughs) I was like, oh, I'm I'm here for this, regardless of what phase of my menstrual cycle it is. Absolutely. Eat,
1: eat omega threes all cycle long.
0: Yes, I absolutely love that. Uh, Well, Audrey, I know we're getting close to the end of our time together. So I wanted you to get uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity if there's any additional information that you wanted to share. And of course, how folks can um, find you on Instagram or other places as well where they can learn more about your work and get in touch with you
1: not that I can think of, although I could talk with you about this all day. So thank you so much for having me. You can find me on Instagram at Audrey S. Geier, A-U-D-R-E-Y-S-G-E-Y-E-R, or on my website at www.audriesgeier.com. But yeah, a super easy thing to do would just be to send me a message on Instagram and I would love to connect.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much for being here with us this morning, Audrey. I know I have learned so much today and I'm certain that my listeners have learned so much as well. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Sana.
0: Thank you again to Audrey Geyer for being with us this morning. You know, I learned so much. And even if you're not a person who menstruates, I think this information is so important because I'm guessing that you probably have some folks in your life that menstruate. And so knowledge is power. I love that for myself as a person who does menstruate to really understand more about what's going on with my hormones and how I can, you know, work alongside them, right, and kind of leverage some of the the brain boosts that I get, some of the different focus that I get, and also um, some of the different times where I need to just kind of, you know, relax a little bit and just lean into the different ways that my brain is working, the different ways that my body is feeling. Now, I know there was a lot of really great information especially in breaking down the menstrual cycle. And so you're probably going to want to listen to that again. I know Audrey said there's not a quiz, but you probably still want to revisit that information. So definitely catch the replay on wyxr.org or go ahead and subscribe to Let's Grab Coffee in podcast format available wherever you stream podcasts. Uh, this is a great way to make sure you never miss a show, but also that you can go back and re-listen to some shows and you know maybe even write down some notes because again, so much great information in our conversation today with Audrey. Of course, if you want to work with her more, even learn more, definitely reach out to her. I am just blown away by those stats that she shared about how We as folks who menstruate can really learn our own bodies and begin to identify relatively easily and quickly when we are fertile and then when we aren't. And I know that is information that a lot of folks really want to know and to think we could have that information. We could really be in tune with our own bodies and start to, you know, identify you know, where we are in our menstrual cycle. So I absolutely love that because knowledge, of course, is power. All right, well, for today's positive note, I want to leave you with this quote by Brene Brown that says, owning our story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Well, this has been Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Sanaa and I'm here every Monday morning. I can't wait to be back with you next week.